Well, good morning. Happy Easter to you this morning. Thank you. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for getting up early and for some going through the struggle of being here, um, getting up. And if you have children, sometimes that can be a difficult task. So we thank you for taking the time to be with the church, specifically us at Living Church this morning. Um, I'm excited about what God's going to do this morning in all of our hearts. And if you join me in prayer, I just want to give this time and all of our time to the Lord. God, we, we bow before you. You're the Lord, our God, and you lead us. And I pray now that you would take the teaching of your word and you would use it through your spirit to penetrate our hearts this morning. That you would reveal to us the truth that we need and ultimately point us to the truth whose name is Jesus. And it's in his name I pray, amen. You know, Jesus said in the book of Revelation, he said, I am the living one. I died, but now I am alive forever and ever. I want you to think about that for a moment. Maybe, I don't know what your religious background is or if you grew up in church. I grew up in church and sometimes you come to Easter and you just kind of go through it. It's, a, it's, it's that once time, one time in a year where you kind of get up and maybe be part of a church on a, on a Sunday. But I want you to think about that truth that Jesus, right now, as I'm speaking and as you're sitting here and as you're listening, he's alive. I mean, he's alive, and he said that where two or, three are, two or three are gathered together in his name, he's right there in the midst of them. And so right now, as, as we're here, the very presence of Christ is with us because he's alive. He's alive. And my next question is, are you? Now, I understand that you're physically here and you got up. I get that. At least we hope you are, right? That that you're alive, that you're breathing, that you're here this morning. But I want you to ask yourself the question, and everyone in this room, I don't care if you grew up in church or this is the first time you've ever been with a church, I want everyone in this room to ask yourself the question, am I alive with God? I mean, would the word alive be the word that you would use to describe your relationship with Jesus? I mean, it's alive. I mean, there's an ongoing relationship. You're talking to him, and you're hearing from him through his word, and it's an active, ongoing, alive, living relationship. Does that describe you? Does that describe you and God this morning? Would God use, if we were to ask God, and we were to say, God, how would you describe their relationship? Would he use the word alive this morning? Would he say, yeah, it's an ongoing, it's living, it's an alive relationship, or would a different word be used? Would God look at us and say, you know what, there's really no life there. It's really more of a dead relationship. There's nothing. There's nothing. And see, with with God, there's no middle. You're either dead apart from God, or you're alive with God. And the difference is Jesus. The difference is Jesus. There's no middle. The difference is Him. And as we consider the resurrection this morning, I want us to understand that, you know, death is not a a simple subject to talk about. 
But you can't appreciate resurrection until you first understand the death before the resurrection. You can't understand or appreciate resurrection without first understanding death. And as we consider the resurrection this morning, the exchange of death for life on this Easter morning, I want to take us to a moment in history, the time when Jesus Christ was involved in a physical resurrection that wasn't his own. Now, the the resurrection of Lazarus may be a familiar event to you. And I believe that this physical resurrection of Lazarus that Jesus provided for him ultimately points us to another resurrection that Jesus provides, and it's the resurrection of our hearts. It's the resurrection that causes our dead hearts to become alive with God forever. And so what we're going to see in John's gospel, which is really a biography of Jesus, is we're going to see a physical Lazarus who is dead become alive, all because of Jesus. And he's going to point us ultimately to the fact that without Christ, you and I are dead to God. But with Christ, Jesus also makes us alive with him forever. And so join me in the gospel of John, John chapter 11. And if you're new to the Bible, just understand this. The Gospel of John is simply a biography of Jesus. John was an eyewitness of Jesus, so he hung out with Jesus. He spent time with him. So we're getting an eyewitness account of this event in history when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And what we find here in John chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse 38, is this. We're going to find a dead Lazarus inside a tomb, wrapped up in grave clothes, held captive by death. But then in chapter 12, we find a risen Lazarus who's alive, sitting at the very feet of Jesus, the one who just gave him life. And so what happened? How does a dead Lazarus go to an alive Lazarus? Here's what happened. Jesus is what happened. Jesus is what happened. Jesus became the beautiful exchange. And the difference between a dead Lazarus and a risen Lazarus is Jesus. And if you're here this morning, you say, you know what, my heart is dead to God. The difference between you being dead to God, your heart being dead, and you being alive with God is Jesus. He's the difference maker. He's the beautiful exchange. And John shares with us in verse 38 of John chapter 11, we find dead Lazarus, physically dead Lazarus. Right here he says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. And it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And Jesus says in verse 39, take away the stone. And he goes, and Martha says this, she says, but Lord, Martha's Lazarus' sister. And John describes her as the sister of the dead man. By this time, there's a bad odor for he's been there four days. And Jesus says, did I not tell you in verse 40 that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And then later on in verses 43 and 44, it says, when Jesus had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus says to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. What we find here is a physically dead Lazarus, inside a tomb, four days in the tomb, there's a bad odor, and for a Jew to touch a a dead body, they would have been called unclean, so they didn't want to have any contact in any way, and then in verse 44, we find Lazarus, and and what he's got is he's got these grave clothes, and and, and he's wrapped all up in these things, and and they're holding him captive, and and he's got them all wrapped around him, and and it's tight, and and all this stuff, and he's bound by these grave clothes, He's bound by them. It's all wrapped up. He's held captive by them. 
And it's inside a cold, dark, empty tomb. And this is what it looks like physically to be separated from life. But this is also what it looks like spiritually to be separated from God. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, if you keep your finger in John chapter 11, Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes a letter and he describes it this way. Verse 1, he says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. So no one has an excuse here. Gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. The description of dead Lazarus in many ways describes for us our spiritual death separate from God. Just as Lazarus was dead inside the tomb, all of us, Paul says, are dead inside our own sin. And just as the grave clothes were physically binding Lazarus inside the tomb. Your sins and my sins physically were wrapped up in them. They've got us bound. And maybe you're sitting here going, oh, that's, you could say that again. My own sins have me wrapped up and, and there's nothing I can do, nothing I try to do that ever releases me from these clothes of sin. And just like Lazarus, wrapped up, by, held captive by his grave clothes, you and I are wrapped up by our grave clothes of sin. Sins of pride, sins of selfishness. And we try to do things, right? And, and, and in the tomb here, what they would have done with, with Lazarus' bodies, they would have thrown like spices and perfume. But that doesn't change the reality that it's st- he's still dead, right? You can put all kinds of spices and perfumes. You can be as good as you want. You could try to be a great husband, a great wife, a good mom, good dad, but it doesn't change the reality that you're still separate apart from God. You're still dead in your sins. You're still wrapped up with the grave clothes because the scriptures tell us that in Romans 5 that we are still powerless on our own. And like Lazarus, an object of death's decay, you and I, separate from God, are an object of God's just judgment for our rebellion against him. And so maybe this is you this morning. Maybe you walked in here this morning and you're realizing, wow, that, that's me. I am being held captive by my sins. And I'm wrapped up in this stuff. And no matter what I try to do, I cannot free myself from these sins. I'm wrapped up in the grave clothes. And what you and I need is we need someone who's conquered the tomb. We need someone who left the grave clothes inside the tomb. We need someone to come to us who's conquered death, who's conquered the grave, to set us free Is there somebody that can do that? Enter Jesus. Look at John chapter 11. I love this. I love this. It says, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. Lazarus is, he's powerless. He's inside the tomb. He needs someone to come to him. Lazarus is not getting up and going, knocking on the other side of the tomb. Hey, could somebody get me out of here? Not going to do that. He needs someone who's strong enough and powerful enough, who's conquered the grave, to come to him to give him new life. Enter Jesus. 
Jesus comes to the tomb. He came to the tomb, verse 38. And then in verse 43, it says, when he had said this, Jesus is the one calling out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And then Jesus, in verse 44, he's the one speaking, saying, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is love-initiating, grace-initiating Jesus. Jesus comes to Lazarus. He comes to him out of love. It says he was deeply moved. It's love-initiating Jesus. And if we were to continue to read that passage in Ephesians, Paul goes on to write it and he says, because of God's great love, God has made us alive. He has raised us up, seated us with him by his grace. It's God coming to us in the person of his son to set us free from the grave clothes of sin. There is someone and it's grace initiating Jesus. It's love initiating Jesus. But it's also glory of God, Jesus. Look at verse 40. Jesus speaking to Lazarus' sister, Martha, and he says, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Well, glory of God, what's Jesus referring to there? Well, what she's going to see is she's going to see Jesus do what only God can do. She's going to see Jesus resurrect someone physically from the grave. This is glory of God, Jesus. This is the same Jesus who spoke light into the darkness. This is the same Jesus who breathed life into Adam. This is the same Jesus who said, peace, be still, and the calm, and and the seas were calm. This is the glory of God, Jesus, because Jesus is God, wrapped up in skin. That's who Jesus is. So we got a grace-initiating Jesus who comes to us because he loves us. we got a glory of God, Jesus who does what only God can do because he's God himself. And then we have a resurrecting life, Jesus. And I love this. Look at verse 43 and 44. Imagine yourself there at this event, right? He says, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. What's the next words? And the dead man came out. Can you imagine that? I can't. But what's what's that tell you? Not about Lazarus, but what's it tell you about Jesus? Because this story is not about Lazarus. This story is about Jesus and who Jesus is. Because Jesus said, this is all happening so that you would believe that I am the Son of God. And because I'm the Son of God, when you believe in me, you will have what? Life in my name, John says, John chapter 20. This is about Jesus, not Lazarus. And Jesus says, listen, I'm a grace-initiating Jesus. I'm a glory of God, Jesus. I'm a resurrecting life, Jesus. We'll prove that. Lazarus, get out. Lazarus gets up, starts walking out. What more proof do you want? And in verse 25, chapter 11, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm it. And so he proves it by raising Lazarus from the dead. But he's also a death-conquering Jesus. Verse 25 of John 11, Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, what? Will live even though he dies. Jesus' own death on the cross, taking the payment for our sin, And then his own physical resurrection proves that death has no power over him. We have a death-conquering Jesus. We have someone that we can place our grave clothes on and we can put it on the cross. Because that's why he went to the cross. So you can be set free from that. You don't have to be wrapped up, held captive anymore in your sin. That's where your sin is. It's placed on Jesus Christ on the cross. That's why he went there. And then he came back to life three days later to prove the cross isn't the, part, the, first, the, the end of the story. New life is the end of the story. And really, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. And in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, he says this, 
our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life. He's a death-conquering Jesus. And his own resurrection that we focus on this morning proves that very truth, that he's a death-conquering Jesus. And so here we have grace-initiating Jesus. We have glory of God, Jesus. We have resurrecting life, Jesus. We have death-conquering Jesus. And the result, new life. Lazarus comes out. Lazarus comes out. And see, the difference between dead Lazarus and risen Lazarus was not Lazarus trying to do more on his own, trying to unwrap himself. He's dead. He's powerless. The difference was Jesus. Jesus was the difference. And Jesus came to him just as he came to you and me. And I love the next scene. What do we find Lazarus doing next? Chapter 12. He says, six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. We start with dead Lazarus, right? Jesus enters the scene. Get up. All right, I'm accepting it. Lazarus comes out, and where's Lazarus? He's at the feet of Jesus, enjoying the presence of the one who's just given him life. And Paul wrote in the book of Colossians, he said this, you are seated with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. You've died with Christ. And your life is now hidden with Christ. It is all, always about Jesus. Always. And this is us with Jesus. He comes to us because he loves us. He forgives us, made possible by his death on the cross, taking the payment that you and I deserve for our rebellion against him. And then he frees us. Those who accept his invitation of new life, he sets us free. We're not wrapped up in the grave clothes anymore. We leave them there. They're there. And then what happens is when we accept his invitation, we put on his new lab coat of life. All right? His new, his new robe of life. If I get it on. All right? That's it. That's the gospel. All because of Jesus. All because of him. So if you're trying to get God to like you, stop. Realize your heart's dead. But it can be new. You can have new life because of Jesus. And if you're tired and weary of trying to do more and more, Jesus said this, Come unto me, all ye who are weary, and I will give you rest. I will make you new. Now, a quick contrast between the two resurrections. Lazarus would put his grave clothes on again. He would. But Jesus, mm -mm. Jesus left his in the grave. That's why it's called eternal life. So it's not you just get it and then you, what's going to happen next? You get it forever. And you're just as alive with Jesus as Jesus is alive. You're just as alive. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You're as alive with Jesus as Jesus is right now and forever. And it's all because he went to the cross, taking our payment for our sin, and we just leaving our grave clothes of sin there. And then we accept his invitation, and you are wrapped up in Jesus. You're wrapped up in him. And that's new life. You know, we began by finding a dead Lazarus inside a tomb wrapped up in grave clothes, held captive. But then we find a risen Lazarus 
sitting in the presence of the one who's just given him new life. You see the difference. Or what happened was Jesus. Jesus is what happened. And if you came in here this morning saying, my heart is dead to God, you can leave alive with God because of Jesus, because of the cross, and because of him proving that nothing has any power over him, not even death itself. And so we began with a dead Lazarus. We moved on to a risen Lazarus. And the difference is that there was a beautiful exchange, and Jesus is his name. And the difference between a dead you and a risen you is also Jesus. Jesus is the beautiful exchange. He is the one you need this morning. Jesus. 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 There is something wonderful about his name. So which is it for you this morning? The difference between dead Lazarus and risen Lazarus was Jesus. And the difference between you coming in here with a dead heart to God and a risen, alive heart is also Jesus. Maybe you're here and you say, you know, Mark, it was years ago or even moments before where I actually accepted Christ's invitation for new life this morning. And you would say, I right now am alive with Jesus. If that's you this morning, if you can say, I'm alive with Jesus, then what are you doing holding on to these? You know where these are? They're here. They're right there. And sometimes as a follower of Jesus, we walk around holding on to the grave clothes, but we've got to realize they're right there. Keep them there. Stop walking around with them. They're there. That's why he died. They're there. Leave them at the cross. And realize that you walk in newness of life. You have the very life of Christ. You're no longer wrapped up, held captive by your sin. This is who you are now. You have the life of Jesus. You're wrapped up in him. And so your response, if you're here this morning, you say, yes, I'm alive with God. Rejoice. Celebrate the king. And know that you get to sit in the very presence of Jesus forever. And wherever you go, he goes with you. And so if you're here and you're like, yeah, I'm alive with Christ. When we sing some more, don't hold back. You have every reason to sing and give praise to the one who took your payment upon himself on the cross and has given him you or has given himself to you this morning. But maybe you're here and you say, you know, Mark, I, that's not me. That wasn't me coming in. And maybe you've realized that, you know what, your heart is not living with God. Your heart's dead. But you realize that just as you sang, he came to us to lead us out of death. And so I want to tell you just as Christ came to Lazarus, Christ is coming to you. And he's calling your name. 
He's calling your name and he's saying, just simply believe that I went to the cross for you. And he says, I took on your grave clothes so that you can take on me. And it's simply accepting his invitation. You're not inviting him. He's inviting you. He's inviting you. And you say, well, what do I do? You do nothing. He did it all. But you can simply say, Jesus, take away my sins. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you did that for me. And he says, you could say to him, just take me. And when you say that, and that's from your heart, life changes. How you see life changes. How you see your marriage changes. How you see your kids change. Everything changes because of Jesus. Because of him. And so if you walked in here this morning, wrapped up in your grave clothes of sin, put them on the cross where they stay, and put on Jesus. And his new life comes inside you. And in a moment, in a moment, I'm going to ask those of you that, were here, that are here this morning to say, today I am accepting Christ's invitation of new life. In a moment, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand during my prayer so that we can re- rejoice with you, celebrate with you, and we're going to sing another song. And, and if you wanted somebody to pray with you, we're going to give that opportunity. Our leaders, some of our leaders will be in the back. Or you just have questions about what took place today, do that. But if you're here this morning and you walked in with a dead heart and you say, today I'm walking out alive with Jesus, simply tell him, tell Jesus, because Jesus is the beautiful exchange. He took on your grave clothes so that you could take on his life. Let's stand, stand with me. Father, we, we're so thankful, so thankful for the cross. We're so thankful for the resurrection, so thankful for your son, Jesus. And Father, I believe that there are people here this morning who walked in with hearts dead to you, but now, right now in this moment, they are calling out to you to set them free from their grave clothes of sin and asking you to give them new life. And for those of you here this morning, that's you. At some point during this gathering, you called out to Jesus and you said, Jesus, take away my sins. Say it now in your heart. Jesus, take away my sins. Forgive me of my sins and take me. If there's anyone that's saying that in your heart this morning, would you just simply raise up your hand? We're not going to embarrass you in any way. Amen. Yes. Anyone else? Just raise it up high. Don't be afraid. Yes. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes. Praise the Lord. Listen, God is working. God is moving. We're seeing people who walked in dead apart from Christ, living now with Christ right now in this moment. Anybody else? Today you have said, Jesus, take away my sins. Give me your new life. Anyone else? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming to us, for rescuing us from our grave clothes of sin. And out of love, you loved us so much that you came to us. We're powerless. And you came to us because you love us. And you went to the cross, Lord Jesus, and we celebrate your willing sacrifice, and we celebrate your life. And we rejoice for those right now in this moment who have gone from death to life, forever enjoying your presence. We give you praise.
We give you praise. Amen. Can we just sing? We've got a couple songs left. Just listen. I don't know your church background or whatever. Some people like to raise hands. Some people just like stand there. Whatever you're comfortable with. But listen, Jesus paid it all. And right now, Jesus is a king. He's a king on the throne. And if you got this new life, you're going to be worshiping for the rest of forever. So you might as well get used to it. All right? So I just want to encourage you to sing it out with all you have, not to the person on your left, left or right, but vertically to Jesus. Okay? And let's sing to him, the one who loves us and rescued us. Amen.